Water is fundamental to human development, from drinking water and sanitation to agriculture and more. You listen to Water Stories, a podcast series where you will learn everything about securing water, energy, and food security for all of us. Hello everyone, I am Juan Carlos Giraldo and welcome to Water Stories. The Chiquitano Forest is the largest of the world's few remaining dry forest ecosystems. It's mainly located in Bolivia, between the most extensive river basins, the Amazon and La Plata in South America. But in 2019, the Chiquitano Forest suffered one of the largest wildfires in Bolivia history. In this episode, we will discuss with our guests how this event affects the water resources in the Chiquitania region and how they are working on this particular issue. My co-host once again is Michel Meta, Michel is an environmental scientist of the Stockholm Environment Institute, and his work is focused on water research, forest conservation, and he's based in Davis, California. Michel, how are you? An interesting topic to discuss in this episode with our guests, right? Yeah, hi, JC, certainly. And it's directly relevant to some of us who live here in California, as you know. Uh, even in January, just uh, last month, there was a wildfire in Monterey, right in the heart of winter. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from my colleagues' work on wildfires in Bolivia and having our listeners make connections to their own experiences wherever they are. Thank you, Vishal. And today we have two new guests, Jen Fernandez and Bar Wickel, both scientists from the Stockholm Environment Institute, both with vast experience in sustainable water management. Hello, Jen. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for having us on this podcast. Glad to have you. Um, Bart, how are you? Great. Thank you. Good to be That's here. That's great. Perfect. You know, I was born in Peru, so which is near to Bolivia, right? And uh, the Amazon and all these beautiful lands are always in, con in constantly challenges. And... Let's start the conversation with Jen. Jen, wildfires are natural phenomenon in their ecosystems, right? However, megafires are getting more frequent and destructive, not only in Bolivia, around the world. What got you into this research area that we are talking right now, focus in this Chiquitania region? Please share what you found, how you started the research. Yeah, thank you for your question. We... We started working on Bolivia Watch Chiquitania is the name of the project because we were already doing some work in Bolivia in various watersheds and working with the Ministry of Environment to develop watershed management plans. And then when the mega fire event happened in 2019, we realized that there was, I don't know if I can call it opportunity, but... <laughs> an issue of uh, having to integrate the impacts of fires on water resources and, and thinking about how that can affect the hydrology and the ecosystems in in the watersheds in the Chiquitania region. So that's how we, we got started and developed this project, Bolivia Watch Chiquitania, where, where we're trying to look at the, the history of fires in the region and trying to map them at the watershed scale to see where the water resources might be at risk. Oh, I have a question, Jean. This is, is Chiquitania region is nearby Santa Cruz de la Sierra, nearby, or is just near La Paz, Cabamba? Yes, 
near Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is one of the most important cities in, in Bolivia uh, after La Paz and Cochabamba and Oruro. Pichal. I'm wondering if uh, Bart and Jen could uh, respond to a thought I had is that the way I see their work is about uh, discovering and communicating the link between fire and water. So Bart and Jen, I was wondering on uh, this link, how are wildfires and water connected? Can you explain a little bit about how this connection works and what is it at stake for the people living in this region and their water resources? First of all, I think it's important to, to really uh, emphasize the context this uh, this work is taking place in. Chiquitania is a, is a dry forest region, as uh, Juan Carlos indicated, on the transition of the Amazon rainforest in the north to the, to the dry Chaco forest in the south. This region, east, the eastern part of Bolivia, is, uh, is lowlands and is, is gradually being transformed uh, from natural forested landscapes to agricultural landscapes. And in this region, we see basically the two large drivers of change colliding or reinforcing each other. We see a land use change, clearing of forests by people, and at the same time, we have climate change, which is really creating these flammable conditions uh, for these megafires that we've observed over the past years. These forest ecosystems are naturally adapted to be disrupted by fire. Uh, a fire is a, is a common element in this landscape. But one of the challenges that we've seen over the past decades is an intensification of these events. There's deeper and, and longer droughts that make this forest more flammable, and which has resulted in this event of uh, megafires. So these fires burn way hotter and way more intensely. Bart, I, ha I have a question uh, before you continue. They always, people try to know if the wildfires are caused by humans or they are for, came for the droughts or any kind of uh, another condition. Well, the fires are always caused by people. 95% of, uh, of, of forest fires are started by people. Fire is a very imp important tool in South America uh, in agricultural land preparation and is used by communities, especially uh, smallholder farmers, as their main tool for clearing their land in slash and burning agriculture. So it's a very important tool. I think most of the time they're able to control these land preparation practices. But with this deeper drought, with these new climate conditions presenting themselves, it becomes harder to control fire as they prepare land. And I think that's one of the main drivers for change. The other aspect of why these fires happen is uh, in certain parts of the region, certain actors benefit from setting the forest on fire because that opens a new frontier. It's, it's community forest or it's, it's government-owned lands, but the fire will clear out new parts and then uh, those areas become available for, uh, for expansion of agricultural commodities. Now, linking that to impacts on the water cycle, there, there's two dimensions. One is um, the, the change in the water balance that may occur after a large-scale change of the landscape. And the other is access to the water by people. The 
biggest challenge in this context, I would say, is that we do not exactly know what the impacts of fire are. There are indications that in certain contexts uh, you end up with a more a greater amount of water because your forest is gone, but there's also negative feedback loops that may actually deteriorate the, the water quantities. And then secondly, the, the quality of water may be affected adversely depending on the local conditions. So there's water quantity and quality that are affected, and that's what we're trying to study here. Yeah, I was just reminded that, you know, the the what you mentioned about climate change and land use change intersecting is is uh, uh, what we see all around the world uh, also. So in that sense, it does generalize. But also, so I was also thinking about other impacts like uh, landslides and erosion after these fires, once there is a precipitation rainfall event. Um, JC? Yes, I remember the first episode with Chuck and Brian, they mentioned something that BART just reinforced. The quality of water, the balance of water, and the quantity of water, which means the most important is have sustainable water for, for all of us. Uh, it's a really, really important uh, topic that I remember from this uh, first episode as well. Jen, Jen I want to ask you something before I give the pass to Vishal. Uh, I don't know if you guys or you have any kind of information from the local communities, how they feel about the impact, I mean, probably before, during or after the wildfire, something that maybe you have uh, any kind of information that you would like to share with us? Yes. Well, we, we are working with a partner organization that's based locally. It's called Agua Sustentable. They have uh, been... Uh, to visit the communities in uh, the Chiquitania region and ask them about the whether they have felt the impacts of uh, the fires and whether there's been a difference uh, for them regarding water quantity or water quality. And some did mention that uh, they had noticed uh, that there was ashes in, in the water and that they were getting sick from drinking that. So, yeah, we do based on that, know that, that there are these impacts and that the po population is being affected. Uh, and, and before the fires, um, they were already noticing that in relation to the drought, a lot of wells were uh, dry. Interesting. So one of the key issues that we, we have in our projects uh, at SEI, Jen and BART, as you know, is uh, education and communication about what we, are learned, what we have learned in our projects. Uh, so in this context, Jen, uh, how is your work helping to communicate these issues? Well, we're uh, trying to really use visual tools and we believe that with mapping and, and with visualization, we can uh, better communicate what's going on. It's always challenging to, to make uh, communication um, products that are understood not just by scientists, but also by the local people. But we're, we're really trying to show how um, considering the scale of the watershed is, is really important and how that scale doesn't necessarily match, uh, you know, municipal boundaries or uh, other uh, geopolitical boundaries. So 
with maps of watersheds and maps of fire and uh, changes in the land cover over time. Uh, we're, we're trying to illustrate uh, the, the key messages in relation to to our work. I, I imagine, uh, Bart and Chen, that it must be particularly difficult to communicate uh, remotely, right? Because you, you can't actually go and meet people in person. Uh, you can't do field surveys, you know, social surveys, sociological surveys, um, have workshops in person that brings together the stakeholders. Um, is that true in this particular case, since everything is remote due to uh, COVID? Well, I think it has not necessarily been a major challenge so far, since we have been largely working on analyzing uh, the problems at a much larger uh, scale. We, we've been uh, developing a water resource model uh, for water quantity, conceptual model. We've been doing large-scale uh, mapping with satellite data and uh, started building an outlet, like the visualization tools, and, and started testing that with our uh, partners and communicating that with our partners in the region as end users. And so, so far, the scale at which we have worked hasn't necessarily required a deep connection on the ground, I'd say. Uh, we definitely are planning to connect our, our tools and uh, findings to that level in the next stage of this project. So this year we will be having a set of community-oriented workshops um, and, and in a way, we're sort of following a filter, right? We have been traditionally working with the national government, Ministry of Environment, now working with the regional government of Santa Cruz. Uh, through our partners, we are connecting with municipalities and, uh, and local actors. That is interesting. And also, well, let me tell you that part of the communication, I think the communication is the key on any process, right? And this podcast probably will be a, a good tool to communicate more and more to the, you know, locals or people who are interested in water management. So speaking about communication, and just Bar mentioned something very interesting, the authorities. So in my opinion, sustainable water, sustainable land and fire management, right, are essential. They are totally related. You guys probably have a, amount of, a good amount of that data and information. Speaking about this, Bart, what can policymakers, governments, local institutions, also universities, because I read some reports of Stockholm Environment Institute, and you're working with some local universities as well, what they can do with this information that you guys can provide it? Our intention is to support the response uh, that the government is mounting at, at multiple levels to these challenges and provide technical insights that support these strategies. Um, we try to link with local researchers and create a community of practice of, of people that work on this jointly. And I think the main thing we're, we're aiming to do here is bringing um, all the entities in the region uh, both civil society and government entities around a common watershed vision, which in this particular region is quite challenging, as Jean pointed out, because of the disconnect between political boundaries, management boundaries, and 
physical boundaries. The watersheds are a logical unit to take decisions and plan for sustainably. But in this particular region, there's a, a strong mismatch between those boundaries. And so you have a, a challenging environment. And so our vision is to bring people together around this watershed. It's true. It's very challenging. Latin America is very challenging itself. So, Jean, uh, Bart, uh, this is a very intense and very deep, um, let's say, topic, you know, where people can find more information about uh, to get probably more familiar with the words, where is the region, where is Chiquitania region, Jane, where people can find more information. To me, it was very useful, the fire water integrating management that they raised on, on Bolivia Watch, but probably some people want to know as well. So we do have a, a website or a webpage on the, the SEI website. Um, so people can look up the name of the project uh, or just look up SEI Chiquitania. And I think they'll find uh, various links and also um, a brief about our work. Uh, and then if they have any questions or want links to the visualization project that we developed, Um, they can also email us, um, and we're happy to share um, more. Great. Bart, the final thoughts, please. Maybe you want to share something additional or where people can find more information. Maybe, you know, please. Yeah, as, as Jean indicated, we, we have a set of online resources. We are working with our partners, Fondación para la Conservación de Bosque Chiquitano, FCBC, in the region, to have an observatory, Observatorio Chiquitano, as a website where they try to share information about conservation dimensions of this forest. And uh, yeah, we we are strongly collaborating with them. Perfect. Vishal, final thoughts? Well, I, I was just uh, intrigued by the question of land management and its connection to water management. Uh, for example, how does forest management differ between, say, California and Bolivia? Uh, out here in the U.S., for example, forest thinning is one of the major tools used in managing fire risk. So uh, my mind started going there. You know, what is the management paradigm for forests and fires in Bolivia? Another question to look at is uh, whether climate change is playing similar roles in these different geographies and ecosystems, which I think they are. Uh, so I look forward to learning more along these lines uh, with my colleagues' work and want to thank Bart and Jen for joining us today. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you, Jen, for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bart, for your time. Thank you, Jesse. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you, Vishal, again. Until the next episode. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Water Stories. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you so much, everyone.